You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramav Yishemish Israel, 5780-2019. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayeshev. And in our Parsha, we have the story of Yosef at Tzadik. We have all of the all of the, the Gilgulim, all of the different things that went on. One thing led to another, led to another. Yosef is a beautiful man, very handsome man, ends up in Egypt, ends up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife lays her eyes upon him, and he ends up in jail due to, the, due to this woman. He tries to get out of jail at the end of our Parsha, and he's, he ends up doing too much. His is trying too hard to get out. He's there for another two years. Which leads us to the to next week's parsha, which we'll see in session next week. I'd like to focus on a few interesting points in regards to the story of Yosef. I'd like to see the broader picture in regards to Yosef, and I'd like to understand also how it connects to Hanukkah, because we always read the parsha of Yosef and the brothers as we are celebrating Hanukkah, and I think that there's a very profound and deep connection. And I think it's important to understand, important to to, to notice. So I'd like to share that with you. And, you know, let's start off with some questions. I want to understand Yosef at Sadiq. So, as, as I mentioned, he's a very good-looking person. And the Torah goes out of its way to tell us about Yosef, that he was very good-looking, and that he was somebody who was sought after by Potiphar's wife. But we find that it's true in regards to Sari Imenu, and Rivka, and Dina. The Torah repeats this theme where we have a story of someone who's very good looking and in in you know the way that we perceive it and it's kind of nice maybe that uh, the very good looking person is trying to be taken by the by the king of the land in each of the in each of the stories but you know obviously it's not a very good thing when the person who, who we're speaking about is married right with Sarah and Rivka and uh what is the idea? Why is it Torah stressed to us? Why is it Torah repeat this story? Why is it so important for us to know this story about Sarimenu and then Rivka and then Dina being taken by Shechem? And then why do we need to know about Yosef at Sadiq that he had such a, what is the, or what really deeper? What's the, the, the lesson of the fact that each of these people were outstandingly beautiful and they went through the, the challenges that they went through? It's very interesting by Sarah and Rivka, so we see that as a result of those challenges, they were taken in. The HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to reveal himself to that particular leader and say, you know, don't start, don't, don't put your, don't touch this woman. She belongs to somebody, she's married. And in the end, they end up with lots of riches. They end up with money. What is the idea? It's kind of a, a strange story, a strange message. Yosef HaTzadik also, we could say, you know, he goes through this whole difficulty, ends up 10 years in jail. And, um, 12 years in jail. And the ultimate result is that because of his time in jail, he ends up meeting the, the Sarah Mashkim, the cupbearer of, of, of Pharaoh. And then he's able to be brought in there because he's interpreted the dreams to be able to interpret Paro's dreams. So certainly it's clear that he had to be in that jail in order to meet this person, in order for his ultimate redemption, in order for him to ultimately become the leader over Egypt and the leader over all of the Jewish people. But what is the idea of the fact, or what is the significance of the fact that it's a result of this very uh, challenging situation that he finds himself in with Potiphar's wife because of his beauty, because of his extreme uh, good looks? That's a question I want to understand. Um, 
Also, I want to understand when we look at the Jewish people, and this is connected to Hanukkah, and it's also, I believe, connected to Yosef. When we look at the Jewish people, and we look at the success of the Jewish people, the Jewish people are perhaps the most ancient civilization in the world. And yes, we've been removed from our original homeland for 1800 years. We weren't, or very, we had a very insignificant amount of people living in Eretz Israel, in the land of Israel. But we're an ancient civilization. We've been around for over 3300 years since the Torah was given. And if we go, if we count back to Avram Avinu, to Abraham, so we've been around for about 3800 years. So we have a very powerful and distinct past and, and, a, and a, an incredible longevity which no one can explain. Now what is the difference between, when we look at, from, a, from a broad perspective, from a perspective of, a, of the civilization, what is the difference between the success of the Jewish people, the success of our culture, as opposed to the success of other ancient cultures that perhaps do exist until this day or or existed for a long time, whatever it is, how do we, how can we uh, define the difference between them? I want to also understand, when we look at the story of Hanukkah, so the theme of Hanukkah is that the Jewish people survived, really. The Jewish people were living in Eretz Yisrael, we were living in the land of Israel at the time, we had a temple, we had a base Hamikdash on the Temple Mount. And despite that, there was a culture called the Greeks. And they came in and they wanted to, they wanted to take over. They wanted to, push away the Jewish culture and replace it with their Greek culture. I want to understand what the motivation, what is the motivation of a Greek culture? What do they care? Let, let, you know, do what you, do what you do and let us do what we do. Like, why do you have to start up with us? Why do you have to, why do you have to push out our faith, our culture? Why do you have to come in in that way? Why do you have to take over our temple and bring your idols into our temple? What is the idea? What is the difference between the power of a culture for all other cultures as opposed to the power of the Jewish people, the culture of the Jewish people. And I'd like to say that Yosef is an example of something which we all know to be true, but it's important to understand it, we, it's important to bring it out, it's, it's important to speak it out. You know, Yosef Atzal, we find that the word Yosef, the name Yosef, the gematria of the word Yosef is 156. And the gematria of the word Sion. Zion, which means Zion, which means it's a reference to to the Jewish people, or it's a reference to the, to Mount Zion, which is where the base of English uh, was built. So, so the word Zion is the same gematria, one hundred and fifty-six. Chazal tells us, Whatever happened to Joseph happened to Zion, and whatever happened to Zion happened to Yosef. So there's a parallel between Yosef. Yosef is somebody who is a um, uh, small, like like a, a bringing together, uh, what's the word, a microcosm. That's the word I'm looking for. He was a microcosm of the Jewish people. And whatever happens to Yosef really happens to all of us. Okay, so we can look at Yosef, we can look at his story, we can look at his life, and we can re- we can understand something about him that will help us understand something about us, that will help us understand something about the Jewish people at large. Okay? And here's the idea. It's an amazing idea, an important idea. And that is that for the Jewish people, for Yosef HaTzadik, everything that is good for the Umos HaOlam, for the nations of the world, everything that looks good on the surface, for us is negative. For us is bad. It's the opposite for us. Or we'll see it's not ultimately bad, but 
the the first the first experience that we have of something which to everyone else is great, our first experience is bad. Now the ultimate result is that we have something positive which comes out of it. And that the positive thing seems to come from that which everyone else thinks is positive, but it's not. It comes from the fact that what's truly positive for the Jewish people is something that seems negative. Okay, I'm, I'm speaking in codes, but now you're going to see what the idea is, like this. Sarah Imenu, she's beautiful. She's going to be the queen, the queen of Pharaoh. Who could ask for anything greater? No, it's the worst thing. What a tragedy. Think about it. Esther Hamalka, you know, we know the story of Esther. We know the story of Purim. Wow, she's chosen to be the queen. It's an amazing thing. It's beautiful. Now she can save the Jewish people. But let's talk about Esther from, from her own perspective for a moment. She had a tr- terrible tragedy. She was a Jew- nice Jewish girl. And here she was stuck being married to a Goyesha king. It's forbidden. It's forbidden. The, the Torah does not allow us to marry a non-Jew. Right? So, so Queen Esther had the most terrible tragedy. But her specific tragedy... Which we, which was a result of what? Which was a result of her incredible beauty, her incredible chain, her incredible grace that she had, right? So what normally everyone else would praise and think so highly of, right? In the secular world, beauty is, is powerful. Money is powerful. All these things are powerful. All these things are great. But they're not good for us. For the Jewish people, power, money, beauty, prestige, all these things are negative. They produce a negative result. Esther Malka was brought into the palace against her will. She had a terrible tragedy. She lost her life. She lost her life. Sari Imenu was brought into the palace. Terrible tragedy. Rivka Imenu was brought into the palace. Terrible tragedy. Dina has somebody who's the leader of the town, wants to marry her. Terrible tragedy. Yosef Atzadik has the wife of a very powerful person is, is interested in him. Terrible tragedy. For Kalah Yisrael, the thing that looks beautiful on the outside, the thing that the, the whole world adores, it becomes something negative. But here's the amazing thing, and, and follow closely because this is important. The amazing thing that happens is like this. The negative thing, the positive thing, which turns into something negative. So now it spills out, and, and here we have uh, Esther Amalko is a good example. We have her in the, the palace, and she's, she's stuck there. She's stuck with this man. And she's there for a number of years, right? If you look at the story, you look at the timeline, it's a number of years before anything happens that she's able to use her power. But she's there and she's stuck there. And that difficulty, that tragedy, that pain builds. And it builds and it builds. And the ultimate result is that now she has an opportunity to stand up and save Klal Yisrael. She has the ability to, to her name will be remembered for all time as one of the greatest heroines of the Jewish people throughout all time. She was ready to give up her life for Klal Yisrael. But where did it come from? It came because her beauty brought her into a place of challenge and difficulty. She went through that challenge for a number of years, or for a certain amount of time. And the result was, now she became someone who had intense spiritual power and was able to use that power to save the Jewish people. Yosef HaTzadik as well. Let's look at Yosef. He's somebody who had, he had chen. He had tremendous amount of grace. Wherever he went, people people were drawn to him. They saw he, had, he was just an amazing person. He had an amazing ability. Everywhere he went, he was successful, Pasuk tells us. 
Right? He was a good-looking person. And then there he is stuck in jail for 12 years. No end in sight. But what is the result of that 12 years? What is the final result of being in jail for 12 years? The following 71 years, the rest of his life, from the age of 30 till the age of 110, the following 70 years, he was a king. He was a king over, over Egypt. He was a king over the Jewish people. So the result of... This is how it works. It's an amazing thing. Amazing sight, you see. The result of um, the outer thing, which seems successful, brings brings the Jew into a negative situation. The negative situation, it, it continues for a certain amount of time. And this is true about Sarah and Rivka and Dina. And But the result is that after the challenge, after the difficulty, some amazing spiritual power is received at the end. At the end of the challenge, so for Yosef, the the special special spiritual power was that he became the leader, he became the leader not just of Egypt but of the Jewish people. Now, let's turn back to to the Jewish people because, as we said, Yosef at Sadik, Yosef represents the Jewish people. So whatever happens to him it happens to all of us. Now, when we talk about civilizations and we talk about power, I want to understand why what is Greek? Why did the Greek culture want to destroy the Jewish culture? We were an ancient culture, even at that time, right? We're talking about 2,500 years ago. We'd already been around for 800 years. It's a solid amount of time. Greek culture was very new at the time. Perhaps it was around 50, 100 years. I don't know how long, right? So, so what did they want from us? Why did they want to destroy our, our culture? We've been around for so long. Can you respect a culture that's been around for longer? Ah, so that's the amazing difference between Jewish culture and all other cultures. All other cultures, and we could talk about Islam, we could talk about Christianity, but all other cultures, the way that they work is they start to develop, and the way that they prove that they are powerful is by swallowing up others, by either by the sword, you know, by, by uh, convert or die, or by uh, just taking over, by, by walking in and, and maybe blowing people away with their, with their power, how amazing they are. Those, that's all cultures. All cultures want to prove their power by decimating other cultures, by uh, you know steamrolling other cultures. That's what happened, like I said, with Christianity, Islam. That's what happened with the Greek culture. The Greeks, they were a new culture. If you're a new culture, what do you want to do? You want to prove your dominance. So you walk in and you... If you can prove, you know, the best place to prove that you are really powerful is if you take a culture which is an ancient culture and you can get all of those people to give up their culture and now submit to your culture, now your culture has real power because you have swallowed up a very powerful culture. So now your culture has power. Okay, you know, you want to understand why does Iran want to destroy Israel? What is their beef? What is their problem? The answer is because... The Jewish people are the most ancient culture that exists. And so they feel threatened by our return to the land of Israel. Okay, you could talk about territorial, you could talk about, you know, Islam, you could talk about whatever you want. But I'm talking about on a very simple, basic level. One civilization wants to prove its dominance and its power by swallowing up another civilization. And to the extent that you can prove your dominance over an ancient civilization that's been around for 3,800 years or 3,300 years, whatever you want to call it, so then that gives an intense power to your civilization. Okay, so that's what's going on. Now here's the trick. When it comes to the Jewish people, what is the, the great power of our civilization? Hear this, it's an amazing thing. And it's very similar to what happened with Yosef. 
the power of the Jewish people is we're the only civilization I believe in history that hasn't gone in conquest has not gone to try to destroy another civilization to prove its own power the Jewish people's power is simply in its miraculous survival throughout all of our gullies throughout all of our exiles the fact that the Jewish people continue to exist the same exact people doing the same exact mitzvahs putting on the same tefillin wearing the same tzitzis learning the same Torah 3,300 years hasn't changed we've been in every gullus we've been in every uh, every uh, we've gone through every different civilization we've we've had a civilization try to impose themselves upon us we've been inside of other civilizations and we still maintained our the our special uniqueness our commitment to the Torah our commitment to our relationship with our Kodesh Baruch Hu. we didn't take new things you know, of course, the last few hundred years has been a, a tremendous loss of the Jewish people toward liberalism, and that is the new uh, civilization. You know, that is the new American civilization, American liberalism, and and the Enlightenment, and that whole that whole sad avodah frankly, idolatry, right? But it's a sad thing. But Lamaisa, the Jewish people remains, despite the fact that we've lost so many to that, and we've lost so many, we lost so many in the Holocaust, we lost so many to to the, liber- the liberalism and to enlightenment, still, the Jewish people remain strong. There's still millions of Jews who remain dedicated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to God. We still survive. We continue. We've returned to the land of Israel. Not only have we returned and rebuilt the land of Israel, but we've returned and we've rebuilt our spiritual life. We've rebuilt our commitment and connection to the Torah. And that's essential to understand that the Jewish people, what is powerful for the Jewish people? I mentioned this before, I heard from Rosh Hashiva, quoting a particular historian who said that what you need to understand about the Jewish people is that for us, a survival of a, of a small amount of us is considered success. That's unique in all civilizations and in all cultures. The fact that we have survived, that's the power of our culture. That's the power of our civilization. That is what's going on on Hanukkah. On Hanukkah, there's a civilization that wants to wants to obliterate us. It's called the Greek civilization. They want to destroy us. They want to they want to replace our temple, our our place of worship to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. They want to replace that with a temple of worship to idolatry, and they want to they want to worship the human body. And they want to get all involved in those things, and and that. That kind of idea will last for a few hundred years, and then it will fade. Then another theory will come, and that will fade. The Romans will come, and that will fade. Liberalism will come, and that will fade. But the Jewish people will always remain. That's the power of the the story of Hanukkah. That's the power of the story of Yosef. Is that for us, everything is the opposite. The beauty, that's not what's really important. What's really important is the, the challenge. The challenge, being in a place of difficulty, Yosef Atzali goes through the difficulty, he champions the difficulty. He comes at the other end as a great leader for 70 years. The Jewish people, we go through, we go through incredible difficulty. We survive. We survive the Goliaths. We survive the exiles. We survive being in Israel, being challenged by this civilization that wants to destroy us. The Iranians want to destroy us. Or the Jordanians, or the Egyptians, or the, the Islamic world, or the Western world, whoever wants to destroy us and hates us, whatever it is. 
but we continue to survive. That for us is the spiritual power. And that's represented by a Yosef Tzaddik who survives and then thrives. We too, we survive and we thrive. It's also represented by this idea of the Hanukkah, Menorah, of the Menorah, the, the little lights, the little lights that we place on our window and they shine through the night. A little bit of light has the ability. That's called survival. It's not like this, this, these massive lights like in Times Square and it's not like the massive lights that people hang up on their, on their, uh, you know, trees. It's not like the massive lights that people hang up on their, on their houses. Kal Yisrael's lights are very simple and very small because we, we survive. We survive and that's our true spiritual power. Elef, the Pusik tells us, that the small one, the small one is the one who ends up being a thousand. Klal Yisrael is the small one. Klal Yisrael is the suffering servant of, of Yeshaya, Perkinun Gimel. The suffering one who, you know, the Christians will say their version of who it is, but the true version of who it is is the Jewish people who have suffered for millennia at the hands of the Christians, at the hands of the Muslims, right? at the hands of all those who wish to destroy us, all of the civilizations who want to take away our faith from us. But ultimately, we survive. Ultimately, we are the smallest and we will be the greatest. Ultimately, just as Yosef came out of that jail and became the leader over the entire world, so too the Jewish people ultimately. Our true dominance will be shown not because we have conquered all the civilizations and not because we have, you know, we have dominated and domineered all others in our path. Ultimately, as you know, as Mashiach draws closer, when Mashiach comes, we will see that all of the nations will submit to us, to the Jewish people. They will submit and recognize that Klal Yisrael, we have been the ones all along who have held that torch, held that banner, held that candle, which was able to pierce through the night and to give us a connection to HaKadosh Baruch I want to bless you and I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us. That we should always be able to recognize that light, recognize the challenges. <coughs> Are those things that make us stronger, bring us closer? Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.